hello and welcome to another edition of my podcast. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. It's that time once again where I am in conversation with another icon of kids' TV. This time around, a man who has voiced so many things, it's very difficult to fit them all in. If you've watched TV at all since the mid-90s, then you will have heard this guy's voice somewhere, whether it be a TV announcement, advert or cartoon voiceover. This is a really interesting chat with a top fella and I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I've got with me today um, a man with a, a voice acting CV longer than the A1. Um, he's Mark Silk. Hello. Good evening. Good morning. Yeah. Good afternoon. Not where you're listening. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, hello, Jack. Night. How you doing? Not too bad, thank you. How are you keeping? Lovely. It's I'm, I'm here in the studio and my little pup is on her sofa under her blanket. So we, we're all very cosy. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's what I like to hear. Well, I just said at the start there that you've got a very long CV in voice acting and voice work, and we'll we'll touch on uh, as many. Sounds like I'm applying for a job. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yes. Well, yes. I we'll pass touch the test. on uh, some of those as we go through this interview. But um, what I want to talk to you about first is, um, I mean, we were kind of talking a little bit off air that prior to voice acting, you started out in the world of radio. Um, is is that right? Yeah, I, well, if it wasn't, I was lying to you for about a quarter of an hour intentionally just to distract. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. As a, as a kid, I, I adored radio. I adored so much stuff, you know, everything from Muppets to cartoons to special effects to John Williams orchestral scores. But I, I loved radio as, as this connection that you had, you know, brilliant broadcasters sharing that my, my favorite people are the people that made me laugh or, you know, like Kenny Everett, who was just a genius on the radio or people who shared something they loved. So brilliant music presenters who, who you felt like they were your friend and you felt like they were sharing something with you, that you were part of this really cool club. Um, you know, the, these voices where you didn't know what they looked like, but they were, your local heroes, you know. I, so there, there was always something very exciting and, and uh, thrilling about radio and really well put together, cool, um, just just streams of sound. You know, the, the theatre of the mind. There were, I, I love. I, I loved um, as a at school. I would stop so late listening to interviews every night on BRMB in Birmingham uh, with a guy called Nick Meanwell and John Slater was the music guy. In you know across Birmingham and, and the Midlands, and he'd have he'd have big name bands come and do interviews with him. You know, Bon Jovi would be there, and you know if you were a big name, you'd be there. Uh, and it was it, it was just a thrill to be there. And I, I was lucky enough to do work experience at BRMB, uh, you know, starting out at, at school, and I I just. Um, I adored being in that environment, being in studios and seeing these people work. And and the thing I really loved was um, sitting in the commercial production studio and watching them make commercials. And you'd see the voice people come in, you know, the voice guys and, and, the, and the voice women come in and and perform these commercials. And you go, oh, my God, it's them. There these really famous voices you were used to hearing all the time. And they're there in front of you and they don't look anything like, you know, you think they'd look like, but it was, um, it was fascinating. I, I learned so much from watching people who I just thought were brilliant, you know, in terms of how do you create great sounding stuff? And so I, I would sit and watch them work 
and bit by bit i taught myself when when the studios were empty i'd sneak in there and learn and play and so i became a i, I became a good producer and director and editor and writer and you know i ended up like putting packages together branding and really almost like almost like audio movie trailers for the radio station, that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, you know, fast forward to where I am now. Um, every week I do a session for a, uh, a radio station in Dublin called FM 104. And I'm the voice that goes, Dublin City Music Station, FM 104. Now back to the music. Your chance to win 20,000 euro with Jack Haywood out of his own pocket and that stuff. <laughs> so all these, you know, it, fast forward to where I am now, I'm almost sort of doing my tip of the hat to people that I grew up admiring. You know, in the end, it all kind of seeps down into you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I adored my time in radio. And then bit by bit, went from um, being behind, uh, I ended up being the guy on the other side of the glass, directing voice performers or um, you know, creating new audio, being a music producer, music editor. And then bit by bit, I needed voices for what I was working on. There was no one else to do it. So I did it. I taught myself and, you know, figured it out. And then bit by bit, it kind of, it went okay. Yeah, certainly did. So you went from radio to doing um, voiceovers, voice acting, that kind of thing. Uh, what was your first professional voiceover gig, if you can remember? Well, um, I used to do bit like little comedy bits because I did a radio show for a few years as well in Coventry, and I would do little, you know, little sketch comedy sketches and things. And um, it actually got noticed by Radio One after six months into me doing this, and I got offered something at Radio One within six months to be being on air, and I turned it down because I was too nervous. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready yet. And this guy said, "Well, I said, I said, I'm, I'm still learning." And the guy said to me, but you'll always be learning. And I said, well, yeah, but there's, I think there's a benchmark that I should be at to take on something as important to me as that. And I'm not there yet. I wasn't there yet. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, I did that. And then bit by bit, I kind of, um, I put a showreel together using the production skills that I'd got as a producer, uh, producing my own voice. And I started to get... I started to get voice work. And the first big thing I ever got, I think, I think it was for baby bio tomato growing fluid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think I was Tommy Tomato, who was just like, hello, I'm Tommy Tomato for baby bio tomato growing food, that kind of thing. And um, I remember this very first session, the, the first, it was the big first big voice session where all, there's all the clients in the room on in the control room on the other side of the glass. So you're in the voice booth and then there's the, there's the glass and then the big room, you know, where there's, the, where there's the mixing desk are all the clients, about a dozen people, you know, making comments about every, your every move. And before we started recording, I could hear this fluttering sound that was really putting me off. I remember this like it was yesterday. So you sat there wanting to do your best work. And I kept hearing really distracting and I thought well do I say something to them will, will they hear that oh, no no they, I don't need to say anything because yeah yeah they'll be able to hear it I don't need to say anything like no I, I won't say anything I looked down and I was holding a piece of paper this script and I was so nervous the script was shaking and it was making this noise a shaking noise and eventually I just like dropped it put it on the uh, the desk and then I was okay from then on but I think the first big one was tomato was baby bio tomato growing fluid <laughs> then I think 
I um, I think I went onto the heady world of fruit pastels, <laughs> and, and, and then it kind of grew from there. Fair enough. And um, I mean, me and you met at the uh, the Comic Con in Telford just before Christmas. And yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one of the things I asked you about um, that I was curious about. I'm a huge fan of CITV, and I've watched a few clips, and I've and I've recognised your voice in a few of the continuity links from the '90s. And and you told me that was your first live gig, wasn't it? Yeah, you got a good memory. It was my first. Yeah. So I was working at, at BRMB still doing bits of voices, and the person that normally did it, which it wasn't in vision, was Steve and Steve Ride, Steve Ride, uh, and he went on holiday for a couple of weeks to do. Uh, I think it was Wizardora, and that he yeah. was in, and um, and then they needed someone to stand in, and and I was invited to do it, and it was you know a dream for me because I, I it was everything that I love. They were showing Warner Brothers cartoons and you know, Scooby Doo, and it was it was all the stuff I'd watch. So to be able to be the, that voice and, in, you know, introduce it, it was fantastic. So, yeah, I, I ended up being that guy for two weeks. Uh, but I was, but I did something that they hadn't done before, which was I was introducing them as the characters. So, you, you know, you get like the, you get the little sort of 10 second clip saying, coming up next, coming up next on CITV. And you get the, the the video clip showing you some footage from the cartoon that's about to happen. Well, I would get the I would watch the that clip like in you know around lunchtime. I'd watch all these clips, and then write script to those clips that fitted in with the mouth flaps of the cartoon characters. So I'd say, um, so it's like coming up next on CITV. It's a Scooby Doo. It's Scooby Doo, right, Scoob? Yeah, Scooby Dooby Doo, CITV. <laughs> <laughs> and and it it kind of sounded really good, and as far as I know, no one had done that before, especially live. And it was quite a bold move as well—the first time I'd ever done anything live on TV to do it in character, lip syncing. <laughs> I mean, so I I made sure I you know wrote it, rehearsed it, and it kind of worked. And um, somebody came in the next day and they said. We've been watching this. I see. He, I see that Mark guy's doing a lot of pre-recording. Then you know, doing all the cartoon voices and, and the producer. Went, nah, he's doing it all live. So I was really proud of that. It made an impression. And then something that was really exciting on the very first day, there there was a there's a bat there was a bat phone in the in the in the tiny little voice room. So. As the continuity announcer for this thing, basically the program would end and then you'd talk, your microphone would go live and, you know, everything you say is then heard all across the UK, you know, if, if, if they're watching. And so you've got to get it right and don't be distracted and make sure you're ready to go and, and keep it going. And so, you know, the show would end and you go, uh, more Scooby-Doo tomorrow on CITV. And now, you know, coming up soon, the Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and... As I was doing this one thing, the the bat phone, like old school rotary dial phone, lit up, flashing red, and normally that means like the queen's died or you know something huge has happened, some sort of emergency. So I finished that and then um, I picked it up, knowing that I had to do another link in about thirty seconds. And this voice on the end went, "Hello, is this um, is this the the, the announcer right now?" It's just done that. I said, uh, yes. 
I said, oh, hello, yeah. Um, I used to run CITV. I'm now working at Disney. Will you come and work for us, please? <laughs> wow. And he goes, that's pretty, pretty great. You know, before you've even finished your first show on the one thing, your very first show, you get offered to do the, that with Disney. So I, and I said to him, can you hold, please? I'm just going to do a quick link. <laughs> and, then, and he laughed. And I went, we'll see you tomorrow for another great thing here on CITV. And went, hello. But hello. And yes. <laughs> so then I went from that to being the voice of the Disney Channel for two years. Okay. So, so for, yeah. for a good while, it was my voice that you heard go, the magical world of Disney. You know, all that I stuff. Remember. I do remember. Walt Disney, Walt Disney Pictures brings you Jack Haywood. Of that stuff <laughs> great stuff that's a great story i like that and of course these were the days i mean i i, I miss it terribly these are the days when citv came live from birmingham i'm very proud of that fact it, it was huge I and mean, really it uh, it felt like did you ever go into central tv or eight or in ATV? It was, it was atv then in 1982 it changed into central and it was a powerhouse of a broadcaster did you ever get the chance to go in there well, um, unfortunately not. Not when it was operational. I did have a look around it just before they knocked it down with some other television anorak friends. And Hang I on a second. Was I people. with you and we didn't know each other? Because no, I no. did I did a tour around that as well. It was walking around the studios yeah. almost like it was very dark and we went to the Tiswas studio. Yeah. And, there's, um, and, it, and there were some big rooms and there were some big studios in that building. It wasn't with you, no, but I think they did a couple of groups over... Oh, yours is probably the executive version. (laughs) But um, I will talk about a time where I did see you somewhere some years ago, but later on. Oh, dear. Uh No, it leads on to something really good, actually. Um, But anyway, back to it. Um, So, yeah, Central, yeah, was based in Birmingham. And, uh, yeah, it's where CITV came from, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) For many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but again, that was like our TV centre, Mm-hmm. There were, you know, there was. You got TV Centre in London for the you know, BBC. You had, um, you know, Thames TV in in, in London, in London weekend. Um, you had Granada TV, the the big powerhouse for you know Coronation Street and so many shows that were, came from there. And I did a lot of shows from um, Granada TV as well. But Central, that was our version of that. And we had you know Central TV in Birmingham, and then there was um, Central in Nottingham. But I, I always felt. It was one of those moments where it was one of those buildings where you'd walk around central TV and feel like you've arrived. You're part of something bigger than just what you're there for. You'd see all these other people making um, just really creative stuff. It might be editing or writing or animating or building props. And you just feel like you're part of showbiz. And that's that's really exciting. I, I loved those days. Great stuff. It's nice to hear stories about uh, production in Birmingham. It's always always welcome to hear that. Um, so, I mean, one of the places I recognise your voice from quite a lot is Cartoon Network. Um, now, I, I'm going to go on to my story now. Um, so basically, um, it's about seven, eight years ago, I was at the launch of something called Big Centre Television in Warsaw. You were one of the people who spoke at the opening. Mm. And as soon as you spoke... 
because I, I was like, I have no idea who this chap is. There's this voiceover called Mark Silk. And as soon as you spoke, even with your natural voice, I recognised your voice from so many Cartoon Network continuity clips and adverts. Wow. So, you know, that's that's where I recognise your voice from. That was, I, I, yeah, again, pretty, I was very fortunate early on. The when I when I first sent a showreel out, you know, like your audio CV. Um, when I decided, look, I, th this is what I want to do. I, I adore this kind of work. My heroes were always people like Jim Henson, uh, you know, behind the Muppets and Frank Oz and uh, Kenny Everett and Mel Blanc and Robin Williams. And but then people like um, I don't know, John, yeah, John Williams or um, Rick. Um, well, let's have a think. Who else would it be? Uh, you know, you got great sound designers too. There were just so many influences that were basically voice and sound based. So I, I put this showreel together to try and um, get work as a voice actor. And um, I sent 10 showreels out because at that time I was a producer. So I would hear other people's produ uh, production work. And, and one of them, I sent them to Cartoon Network. But I sent 10 showreels out hoping I'd get one response. Like a one in ten, I thought it seemed like a good response. Uh, so, so, so I sent out ten show reels. I got thirteen responses, offering work. Wow! <laughs> but one of them was um, one of them that was sent to, which was Cartoon Network. I I got a reply from them saying, "Thank you for sending us your show reel. We have never heard of you. We have no need for you. We have to meet you." Wow! That's and quite a response. Yeah, and it, it was, and I was so excited because it was Cartoon Network. The people, you know, at the time, they were behind. They were showing all the shows that I grew up adoring. It was, you know, from Scooby Doo to Flintstones to new stuff like Cow and Chicken, and and they, they were just about to do Johnny Bravo, and uh, you know, come on to that. And, and I, I, I went down there, and we, I kind of we got in a room, and I, play, you know, I played around and let them hear like a, a stack of character voices that I could that I could perform really well that were from shows that they show. So the, my logic was I knew they were creating new content, new stuff using those characters. Well, logistically back then to get the, any performers from America to, to do that was a huge undertaking. Because of you know, this was before web or easy connectivity. Um, and to me, I thought it makes a great deal more sense for them to be able to have a, a performer in this country that could actually do it there and then right in front of them. And so, in the end, I was really fortunate that I ended up doing a lot of work for Cartoon Network for, for a, a good number of years, and it was like everything from uh, all like all the all the voices that you know, Mel Blanc performed all those characters I, I was performing pretty much all of those it was like you you are despicable this is the last time i work with someone with a speech impediment to you know say your prayers you lop-eared varmint or a blast in a smithereenies i tried to a putty chat you bitch you thor putty chat the putty chat of me you know and and it would go on and on and uh from uh, that's wait for it come on buddy let's go say barney where's betty and then hello you happy people and now i'm cursed to network down with droopy d oh uh, hello yeah sure so I, I i did a stack of stuff with cartoon network and i was i was down there every couple of weeks doing things and i i it meant so much to me because 
you know, you're part of this world then of, of all these characters and um, shows and makers, you know, and artists that you grew up working with. You end up sort of working alongside some of them, and and that's treasure. You know, forget work for a second. You go, how do you want to spend your day? You know, sometimes you just want to be in the room, and I was just happy to be in the room with that stuff. But I was very fortunate that we um, did that, and then from from then I ended up being. Um, they were playing they were just about to start working with this new character called johnny bravo and uh i ended up getting asked to do cast for auditions for that and um i ended up being the uk voice of johnny bravo for what three years i think it would be for cartoon network so whenever you heard yeah man oh mama man i'm pretty do the monkey with me it was me and then we did johnny bravo live actually twice a year Johnny Bravo became the link guy for Cartoon Network. And it was, we took like two minutes, little you know, live bits with callers and sketches. And, and um, it, it was a technological masterpiece. But um, yeah, that was, a, that was such a, a special thing to be part of. I, 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 again, I adored those times. And, the, and the t- again, just working with the team there, you know, it was cool. Um, the, you know, the audio guy, Tudor, super cool guy. And he would bring his PlayStation in. So in between while well, the shows were on or when we had a big break, we'd play PlayStation <laughs> or you know, talk tech stuff or music stuff. And Tudor is a real like A-list audio mixer. So he's the guy now that works with people like Jules Hollander later. If you ever look at Tudor Davis, that's him. He was the audio guy on Johnny, on Johnny Bravo for the UK. But I, I was really fortunate that we worked with some you know, real ace people. So, uh, yeah, the, the days on Cartoon Network were really cool, and I was a, an avid viewer of uh, watching that. And, and not only did you do like Johnny Bravo in the UK, but also um, you did the duties of Scooby-Doo as well when they needed that, because uh, the original voice was Casey Kasem, but uh, you did it well, the, for uh, the, the UK. Well, the, the original voice of Shaggy was Casey Kasem, and the original voice, so Casey Kasem. Uh, so Casey Kasem's regular voice was more like this. Keep your feet in the ground and keep reaching for the stars. It was, you know, and now time for our long distance dedication. This is Casey talking like that. Uh, and then you, you like, you take that up and make it a little more cartoony and you got like, like Scoob, really Scoob, like let's go buddy, R- right Scooby old buddy old pal. And then the voice of Scooby-Doo was a guy called Dom Messick. And he was also the voice, he was like Hanna-Barbera, who were the people that, that you know made Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby-Doo, name of it was them. Um, they tended to use it this core cast again and again and again. So there was a guy called Dawes Butler, who was the voice of hey, Yogi Bear. I don't want me to scare hey, hey. you. know him. And so there was Yogi. And then Dom Messick was the voice of Gee, Yogi. Don't tell Ranger Smith about the picnic basket. <laughs> so he was Boo Boo. But, but Dom Messick went on to be the voice of Scooby-Doo. So, it, so Dom Messick created the voice of Scooby-Doo in 1969 when Scooby-Doo first started. And then um, he died in 95, 96. It wasn't my fault. But uh, but he was, I met him a couple of years, I, I met him just a year or so be, before we lost him. And uh, it, it was such a, it was such a pleasure just to speak to the guy. Um, so yeah, so anyway, so for Cartoon Network, I ended up being brought in to be Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> and uh like that guy as well, Scoob, really Scoob, Zoinks, him, <laughs> that guy. And, and then, and for 
I think the first the first thing I did for that was ninety eight. I think the first thing I did for Cotton for for Scooby and Shaggy was ninety eight. Because Warner Brothers brought me into Radio One. I spent a number of days with with it was um Zoe Ball on the breakfast show at Radio One. And for Zoe and Kevin doing this double header. And I was I was in there talking to them about Scooby Doo, and we did this competition teaching people how to be the voice of Scooby Doo, and it was um it, it was amazing. So and then that went on to me doing like any time that they needed a, a voice of Scooby for over here or Shaggy for commercials or Cartoon Network or CITV or there was a McDonald's commercial we did and radio and loads of stuff. I, I, I get uh, brought into to do all of that. I mean, going back to Johnny Bravo, we even did, they even did a Johnny Bravo, uh, Frosty's commercial. So, so Johnny's got, I've got a, I've got a pack of Kellogg's Frosties, but it's Johnny Bravo Frosties. And That's it's, cool. um, yeah, and it's great. So there's, there's Tony the Tiger doing the, yeah, they're great. And yeah, man, I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. I'll have to look that up if that's online somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, or, or listen, or if you're ever passing through, come on, uh, come on, come and stare with uh, with uh, loving eyes at the box of uh, Johnny Frosties. Yeah, certainly, will do. Um, so the other thing as well, you to make adverts. Actually, that leads me nicely onto the next part because mm. me saying about recognising your voice. Now, I watched a lot of Cartoon Network and a lot of CITV, and you'd get certain adverts that would be round and round and round and round for years on end. And there's a few that I remember Hello. that I know <laughs> you were the voice of. And again, when I heard your voice for the first time some years ago, I was like, "That's the voice of this advert and this advert." And I'm going to name a few that I I remember very well. Okay, let's see if I do. Um, so I know you did a lot for Tommy Toys, and you say, trust Tommy at the end. Trust Tommy. Trust Haywood. <laughs> and um, one, one in particular, I remember, something called the Thomas Big Loader, where it was all <laughs> bearings around Hi, the track. Tom- Do you want to see Thomas's Big Loader? <laughs> I know. Hey, kids. It was, um, it was, I think I had that toy actually. It's where, where the, um, really the, good. the trains would pass the, these little plastic ball bearings to one another along a track. It and was do the advert. It yeah. was mechanically really clever because it, 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 the Thomas Big Loader, uh, the, the ball bearings go from Jack to Thomas to Bob to over there in the yeah. truck, over in the loader, up the hill, down the hill, and there it goes again. The amazing Thomas Big Loader from Haywood. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That, yeah, so yeah. I, I did. I, I did so many commercials for Tommy, and they were they were so lovely to work with, and, and it was just it was immense fun. And the thing with it is, I actually like this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the things that I would play with as a kid, and you know, even if you walk into a Lego store now and you saw a great big Lego roller coaster, or you know, whatever it might be, you kind of go, that's kind of cool. And for me, when I'm when I'm doing these commercials, I'm just playing again. It's it's not. I, I think hopefully one of the one of the reasons why I'm still doing it, and why it still works, is because um, it's sincere when you're doing it. You'll hear you'll sometimes hear people talk with sincerity. Hello, I'm sincere, talking with sincerity, and you go, yeah, no, you're not. You're just talking. You're just reading words, and you can hear it. You can the, the people whose work I really enjoy. Uh, you you. You believe the story they're telling you. You know, you're immersed in that moment. Um, you know, it's real as opposed to somebody reading words at you. And it's the same with these with these commercials. You're, you know, chances are you go, actually, I think I'd probably like to play, to have that here myself. 
you know, I've got I've got a Lego train set. I've got yeah. a I've got a Flintstones thing. I, you know, the Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Now that would be a fun thing to put together. Yeah. Right, you know, and and if I was doing a commercial for that, believe me, you'd hear that I actually like that. You could <laughs> cool. hear it. If mm-hmm. and, and when I'm working with people on these kind of projects, the thing I enjoy so much is actually just working with them. It's like us chatting now. I'm enjoying us chatting, and that's. That's kind of infectious, and you can hear it when it's real. There's a vibe in the room that if you if you create that or you can capture that somehow, the recording's better. It's like if you hear a singer and they're having a great time in that room, you can hear them smiling on the recording. You can hear that thing. If they're forcing it, you can hear it's not real. It's like in... Um, Ever heard, have you ever, you know, if you've ever watched a TV show or listened to, you know, I don't know, the radio, and there's two people that's been paired together and there's no rapport at all, they don't yeah. like each other, or they won't listen to each other, it Absolutely. comes across, yeah. yep, but mm-hmm. if it's sincere, you you can hear it. And hopefully that's one of the reasons why, you know, we we, we do this stuff and, it, you know, it, it works. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoy doing... Um, all that stuff from the House of Haywood. <laughs> I've never had somebody do so many um, name checks for me. Thank you. <laughs> in, in an interview before. Um, so that's great. I mean, go, going back to the uh, the Tommy adverts, I was going to say there's a few others that I remember distinctly, and I'm just going to reel them off. Oh, God. Um, okay. So, right, right. I've got to try and remember them now. I remember Screwball Scramble. Screwball Scramble. Oh, that was bonkers. I mean, that was really high energy bonkers. And I, I saw that again recently. And it's. Like me going crackers, I think it's like scramble, scramble. Yeah, it, it's sort yeah. of yeah. It, it was a similar thing to the other one you mentioned, except like turn up to eleven. Yes, I remember the advert really well with the, the kid on the ceiling and uh, yeah, the the game being played. Yeah, um, there was also pop up pirate. I seem to remember pop up pirate. What a class pop up yeah. pirate from Tommy. And I think tumbling monkeys was another one as well. Tumbling monkeys. That is yeah yeah go. What a classic. Yeah, I remember that those adverts were ran for years. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that I recognize uh, them very, very well. I think um, anyone of a certain age, if you watch any clips of Cartoon Network or any compilations, that those adverts will pop up. And I, I have them all here. I do. Ha- I have them all still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's again, it's, you know, it's part of what you do for, for your day to day. But to be uh, to be part of that, there was another one as well, which was. Um, Oh, it was uh, Bounce Bounce Tigger from Ravensburger. It was yeah, Tigger of After said, Pooh, Bounce Bounce Tigger. What he says is up to you, Bounce Bounce Tigger. And, and it was. Yeah, it was. Don't be the one to make it. Uh, the new to- uh, the brand new from Ravensburger, Bounce Bounce Tigger. Uh, and that went for a good while. Too. There's, been, there's been so many of them, uh, but they it's have, they're yeah. massive fun. I'm sure they are. Yes, definitely. And uh, like you say, you can tell that you're really enjoying it when you do it. And that's what that's what makes it a lot more special. Um, now, one of the things that I've also got to go on to, because um, a couple of years ago, um, I interviewed one of your voiceover colleagues, uh, Mr. Tim Whitnell. Now, I was li- I listened to so jumping. Yes. I listened back to that interview uh, a week or so back. It was a really good chat that you had with him. He's such a nice guy, Tim, but you did a really good you had a really good conversation with him. Yes. I could, I, and I could hear that he was really appreciating that you knew his yeah, work. I did. Yeah, it wasn't you weren't just a guy saying questions to him. You knew his work, and you, I, I know Tim uh, appreciated that. Yeah, uh, we did. Ha- we had a really lovely time chatting. We were actually chatting off air 
um, for a good half hour before we even started. And then we would we got so far in, and he was like, oh, hang on, my dinner's ready. <laughs> That's like kind of like really panically rush the uh, last few minutes. And um, the reason why I brought that up, actually, is because one of the things that I wasn't forgiven in that interview, because I kind of spoke for almost entirely about Mike and Angelo, and then, as I said, we ran out of time, um, is people went, you didn't bring up Fifi and the flower tots. And so I thought, well, I'm interviewing somebody else who works on that now. So... I'm going to ask about it. What was it like doing that particular children's show? That is so good. Well, that, Fifi and the Flower Tots, that was created by, that was Keith Chapman, who's the, who was the guy behind Bob the Builder. And um, a couple of years later, I went on to be the voice of Bob the Builder for America, which was very cool. But Fifi and the Flower Tots, it was, it was one of those special cast, one of those special moments. We did it for a number of years and it really did feel like a family. We became all became good friends and Jane Horrocks, who I adore as an actress, I, I did before we even got to know her. Um, she played Fifi in Flower Topped Garden and I was two characters. I was Bumble and Slugsy. So Bumble, this adorable little, little bee who's, uh, who's allergic to pollen. So he's all banged up. Bouncing blueberries, Fifi. Fifi, forget me not. Forgot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, him. So Bumble was completely adorable. And then there was Slugsy, this very cute slug whose best friend was Stingo, a wasp, played by Tim Whitnell. And Tim was, he was very funny as Stingo. He was just, he was brilliant as him. And, um, and Slugsy was a love ball and huggable and a bit moist. So that was pretty much Stingo. That was, yeah, but he was, uh, he's one of the, one of my favorite characters to perform, um, Slugsy rather. Um, because he was just so, there was some, there was, there was some, he was a very deep character. Now, in the end, he's a slug on a kid's show, but it's, it's so much more than that. He could do anything. He would, he would, he, he would sing operatic style songs and, and it, it, yeah, it, it was, it was an amazing project to work on. It was stop motion animation to very high standard. So the people that created the, um, the puppets for Fifi, the actual stop motion puppets for Fifi and the Flower Tots were McKinnon Saunders, who were the people that, uh, that did Corpse Bride and Fantastic Mr. Fox and all that stuff. And each one of those little puppets that are, you know, that are, that are, have, um, articulated joints, you know, like your actual fingers and, and bones and things. Each one of those puppets that was on Fifi and the Flower Tots, bearing in mind, there's a lot of them and multiple versions of each one. Each one back then was 10,000 pounds per puppet. About 10,000. Yeah. And, um, and then very similar team went on to work with um on the on the follow-up on, on the, the following show which was Roy the racing car which was myself and um Tim was on that as well and uh, and it was Peter K uh, so Peter was uh, big Chris and then the, the narrator was Sterling Moss and one of the guests that we had a number of times was Murray Walker and honestly the fun we had on that because I mean that's pretty still a cast and, you know, we, we got to know, you know, Peter became a good friend and, and we did, you know, I ended up getting involved in a number of things that he worked on. So I ended up like doing little cameos in Britain's Got the Pop Factor. And in the 500 Miles video, I'm in that. He invited me to just go and spend the day there and, and just hang out and play. And so we, we, we had some fantastic times during those recordings. And, you know, that lasted, you know, between the two, at least five years, I think. 
but they yeah. they still hold up hold hold out hold out they still hold out really well now because they're they're just funny they're just funny shows certainly do yes certainly do and uh, yeah it's great it's great to hear that you had such a good time on that and uh, that's interesting uh, that you got to uh, be involved in in that in that music video right right at the end so i just been peter had invited me to go and sort of spend the whole day there and, and just watch it there were two two main days and i was on the the, the second day the the uh, the first day was was him um getting the the uh, you know him and andy and matt lucas um done and then the second day was when there was all the all the the the, the a-listers there and um i was just watching and, and having a great time and right before the last shot he went do you want to be he said mark he said do you want to be in it and yeah sure went, quick go and get go and get chairs go on a costume so uh, the, they've quickly fitted me with a shirt and a tux i still got my jeans on and if you watch the 500 miles video there's a sweeping shot just before the camera like pans out but it's a long shot just before the final chorus and you see me dancing with bucks fizz and david bellamy okay. <laughs> it's just you know this is nonsense bonkers and so much fun and you know the the, the people in that room it was sort of all the people you'd grown up with on tv and in fact about a few a good few weeks before that we were on a lunch break during uh roy the racing car and um i'm i'm sitting with with peter and we were just going through lists of names of people that we thought should be in this thing mm-hmm. and i threw out a bunch and, and, and a whole bunch of them ended up being there one of them was shawaddy waddy <laughs> the band that i loved as a kid and um you know i remember, I remember saying oh chuckle brothers you went no they're touring europe <laughs> <laughs> and then but yeah there was some i mean it was just great david tennant was there and there was a um there was david beckham lookalike <laughs> who was getting a bit too big for his boots so they hid him behind a pillar and, and there was dusty bin and um oh rod jane and freddie loads of it was just very it was just a lot yeah. it was just a, a very enjoyable day very good very good i do remember when uh, that came out and gosh i mean what was that 2007 i don't even want to think <laughs> it must be about that it, it yeah. must be yeah yeah it was yeah well um, you mentioned um, that you, you were involved in Bob the Builder because, of course, Neil Morrissey is known as being Bob the Builder in the UK. How yeah. did you become the American voice of Bob the Builder? Well, I was working on a show called Pingu. No, no, that's about the Pingu. I was, I was for Hot Animation. So they were the people that, that did the animation for Fifi and Rory. So I was, um, they um, they ended up creating like about another 100 episodes, I think it was, of Pingu. And it was animated in the same studio as, as Bob the Builder. And uh, so um, they came into the voice booth the one time. The director said, um, "If you were if you were to be the voice of an, of an American builder called Bob, what would you do?" And you go, "I know where this is going." So I said, "Like uh, I said, uh, hey guys, it's time to build a bridge. Can we do it? I don't know. You do your rules. Come on, guys, hustle them, not made a catch." And they went, um, "How about um, maybe a little not as angry?" So I went, "Hi." Today we're going to build a house. And I said, maybe somewhere in between. I went, hi, I'm Bob the Builder. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Come on, Scoop, Mug, Dizzy, let's go. And they went, that's it. And I ended up being the voice of Bob the Builder for America for nearly a decade. Wow. And okay. there, was, yep. and there, were, there were three Bobs. It started off with a guy called uh, Bill Bill Duffy, William, De, William DeFries. And uh, he started out doing Bob. 
And then a guy who I loved on Whose Line Is It Anyway, I got Greg Proops. He was then Bob. And then there, there was a big switch of, of the moving Bob in a different direction. And so um, Greg stepped away and they wanted to kind of like, um, like give him more of like a smiley, joyful sound. Because, I mean, Greg was so good, but he had this kind of edge. You know, hey, you're like, hey, Wendy, that looks fun. You look nice. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's, he's so good. He's so good. And we, we kind of, we just, we like softened him a little bit. And um, I ended up, I ended up recording, oh, it, it was a lot of episodes of Bob the Builder. And so we started off dubbing the English versions that, that Neil had done, the voice of, of Bob. And then bit by bit, brand new American versions happened. And it was also then, within a year or so of me doing it, it, it went from stop motion to CGI. And it still looks kind of good. And then after nearly a decade, the whole thing like kind of like stopped. And then they, they completely changed the look of Bob. And I'm not, I wasn't part of any of that. But I'm very, I'm very proud that I got to be part of Bob during its golden years. And um, I took my mom out to New York to the, the, the head office of, um, of HIT, uh, out, out on Park Avenue. And it was so exciting to just go and to, to be there and, and to see like the, to go in their penthouse, um, office and their rooftop meeting room that overlooked the Empire State Building. And there was a huge sculpture of Bob the Builder, you know, taller than both of us. And, um, and it's funny in situations like that, because in the end, I kind of think if you do this work, often you're, you're a fan yourself. I know I am. I genuinely adore this stuff. So if I wasn't doing it for a living, I'd pro probably be paying to do the tours around the studio. And um, so I was very excited to go and visit them at their head office. But the thing I hadn't really thought of is they were really excited to meet me because it's Bob the Builder coming to see them. And, um, and I hadn't thought of it that way. But and it was so it was just very nice. So between the two of us, we just enjoyed each other's company. You, know, you all enjoy the same thing. And and to have taken my mom there with me too, that was that was just awesome. But yeah, we did a we did a lot of Bob and and we even did stuff like a Legoland. You know, there, there was a Bob 4D attraction for Legoland in, in the States and, and what else do we do? The stacks of stuff we did for Bob. Yeah, but and loads of DVD specials and I had no cool. idea. And Canada. Yeah, it was it was Bob in the States and Canada. In fact, I before I worked on Bob, I worked on uh I, I was fortunate enough to work on Star Wars with George Lucas. That was nice. So you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And so, you know, to to I ended up working that was the very first no, it was the second film, was it? First one was Chicken Run, doing doing lots of uh chicken noises. <laughs> it, was, it was right near the end of um it was at the end of, of the main the, they did all the main recording sessions. I was just starting out and they needed extra clucks. So I was fortunate to, to be brought in as, as an extra as, as that but the um but I, I ended up being brought in for uh, for star wars episode one and we were re-recorded at abbey road studios which again you know dream come true stuff and you, again you just want to you just want to be in the room who am i kidding and i got to work with george lucas on 
on that thing. And you kind of go, all of these things combined, honestly, the, the, the door, once you're fortunate enough to have people trust your work and, and like what you do to want to bring you in to create something new for them, it kind of kicks the doors down for other stuff. But the only reason I mentioned the Star Wars thing, apart from the enormous name drop of St. George Lucas, is I was doing, I've got my, um, do you know Topps trading cards? They are huge, yes. huge deal. Right. So, huge thing. Um, my character in, in Star Wars Episode One is called Axmo, A-K-S-M-O-E. He has the head of a goat, three eyes, and very dry skin. Desperate need for moisturizer. He looks a bit like a, he looks a bit like Reyes. So he's in Episode One in the Senate scene. So you'll hear him going, The Congress of Malice Day concur with the right honorable delegate from the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed. Now, where's Jack Haywood? Him. So there's that. And uh, so I've got, he's got his own trading cards and they're all collectible. And I've, I've done huge signing sessions in New York for all these trading cards. Anyway, I was at Tops in New York signing all this stuff. And the main guy from Tops went in, came in the room to say hello. And uh, he said, uh, what, what other uh, kind of stuff you work on? What other stuff do you do? Um, and I gave him a card with a, a list of all these characters. And, he went, and, and, and they went, what? What? And he went, Jesus. What? And, and he let out like every expletive under the sun. He went, oh, my God. You're Bob the Builder? What? He went, you're Bob the freaking Builder, man. He said, oh, my God. And he said, I work with some of the biggest. He said, we get NBA stars, baseball stars, basketball stars, music stars, movie stars. You're Bob the Builder, man. He said, and, and to him, that was bigger than Star Wars. And he said, right now, we're having construction done at our home. And every night, my son waves goodnight to Roly. You're Bob the Builder, man. And to him, that was cooler at that point in his life than any other character he could have had because of his connection with his son. And to have moments like that with somebody, that's real treasure. Because, you know, I, I know the, the performers who did stuff that I love, loved and love, you know, now. And if I had the chance to meet them, it would have meant a lot to me. And, you know, you become... You, you, it's this privilege where you, you sort of find yourself that you've become part of that world. And so for somebody else, you know, you, you've become, you know, some, somebody's favorite you know, cartoon character you know, before. And that's, it's really lovely. And it's so nice at comic cons when you get to meet people who you've been lucky enough that they enjoy the characters that you performed and you can, you can, you know, it's lovely to, to, to know that somebody that that's made an impact on someone's day, but then it's lovely to be able to give that back to them and do something for them there. And then that makes them happy. You know, you know, as a, as a, I know as a fan of this kind of work, you know, the what you would want if you met that person you know what you would enjoy in terms of an experience if you met that person it's nice for me to be able to, um do that for them but but even like um um just one uh of a star wars thing to just jump in um like I, I, I again, you know, you know, like you're doing what you do now. You, you know, you're doing and the stuff that you like that makes you want to do radio. Why? What? Out of, out of interest, why do you want to do radio? Why? Do, why are you doing radio? Why am I doing? No one's ever asked me that. Um, it was something I fell into. Um, it's not something I ever thought of doing growing up ever. 
And then um, I left school at 16, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up doing a media studies course because um, somebody said, well, you're really obsessed with television. Why don't you go and I do that? Med- I, was like, I did a media studies course. <laughs> so I did. And part of that was doing radio production. And mm. I just found that I enjoyed it. I knew a chap who worked here at the time. Um, about Was it Stuart Hickman? No, it wasn't. It was a chap called Lee Bannister. Um, oh, God. Who worked for Beacon Radio many years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um, he said, well, I work for this place um, and, we're, and we're always looking for volunteers. Why don't you come along? And that was uh, nearly 12 years ago. And here I am now still doing it. It's my fun little hobby. And it's turned into doing a podcast, uh, bits of paid work and, you know, little bits here and there. You know, I still have a normal day job, but, you know, it keeps me busy and it's fun and enjoyable. And it stops me, you know, uh, <laughs> going off the rails sometimes, especially during COVID and that, when mm. you know, we couldn't do that much. It was a saving grace to still be able to do this because, of course, you're on your own in a in a room with thick walls and windows. It was a perfect environment. Germ uh... absorbing <laughs> carpeted walls. Yeah. <laughs> so that's me. <laughs> I've never been interviewed yeah. on my own podcast. Well, <laughs> well, well. Again, it, it goes back to you know, the, the, for whatever. There's a thing that that attracts you to that kind of work or environment or, or a space. And I, again, right with Star Wars and and well, frankly, so many movies. I've always loved the work of John Williams. So, you know, from everything from Jaws to E.T. to Superman to um, Star Wars to you name it, it's John Williams. And I genuinely love John Williams' work. Well, from working on Star Wars and other projects down the line, um, kind of uh, the kind of people people ended up working with on, on, on other events kind of found out the love I have for John Williams' work. So anyway, that's led to these um these other incredible projects so a few years ago i presented uh, i hosted a show and it was myself on stage as your on stage host with uh and it was it was a star wars symphony a symphonic star wars a star wars symphony so it was me the royal philharmonic orchestra live at the royal albert hall and we did, and we had, we did two shows, and each one, I think, it was about five thousand people. We had over ten thousand people come to see us, and, and it was, it was, good God, it was a thrill. And to hear that orchestra, right, you know, up close to your nostrils, it's unbelievable. If you ever get the chance to hear those, have you ever heard those scores played live? I haven't. No. You gotta go. Okay. It's, it, it is honestly, it's goosebumps. If there's a bit of if there's a bit of fluff on your arms anywhere, you will be getting the heart, the, the hairs standing up on the on the edge of your knuckles. It's oh, it, it was such a uh, an amazing thing to to just watch them work. But again, my approach to that. You know, I'm the I'm the host of the show, and you know you you got to make sure you you're on your A game. You're at the Royal Albert Hall. You're the guy that's leading this show through, and so the way I approach that is, if I was in the audience, what would I want? You know, what would I want to hear? What do I want that guy to do? What do I want them to play? And that's kind of how we structured it. For you know, for me as a fan, how what do I want to see? So, yeah, you better be good because they've been nice enough to come and sit in those seats. But the response was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. It's nice to hear people who are genuine fans of stuff, you know, being as uh, nostalgic and as interested in it as I am about things I grew up loving as well. So it's always always a a pleasure and a joy to uh, hear that. We've gone. We've talked a lot about um, like the animation side and the children's television side. I know there's way more shows that you've done, but we're just never going to have time to cover them all. But reel off a couple of the other ones that you've you've done that you've got good memories of so we got star wars uh we have a fantastic show called danger mouse so we did a reboot of danger mouse a few years ago and i ended up being the voice of nero captain uh yeah um baron greenback's evil caterpillar so when you heard lots of (laughs) um him um farting around the place uh that was me as nero plus in the first season, I did 31 characters in Danger Mouse across all the episodes. And then I also did, um, like for live shows too, I ended up doing Penfold. We did a, an Amazon uh, an Amazon book, which was Penfold's Diaries. Crikey, Chief! Crumbs, Danger Mouse! We turned him a bit London-y. But we did, um, so we did a lot of Danger Mouse. So we've got Bob the Builder, Rory the Racing Car, uh, The Lingo Show on CBBS. Show, how did he do? Someone's tried to call. Uh, we have Black and White, which was an epic PC game uh, about just over 20 years ago. There was Fifi in the Flower Toads, we mentioned. There is an awesome game called, uh, there is not a game, there's an awesome game called uh, Two Point Hospital and Two Point Campus by Sega. So we've been working on that for about four years now. So I'm when you, when you play that game, uh, there is a hospital radio station in the background. And I'm the voice of the hospital radio station. So there's Ricky Hawthorne in the morning on Two Point Hospital Radio. Good morning. And I'm perpetually happy about absolutely everything. So there's him. And there's Sir Nigel Bickleworth in the afternoon. And frankly, I see everyone other than myself as pure scum. And then there is Harrison Wolf, the nighttime guy on Two Point Hospital Radio. Aliens, man, they're real. I have the evidence. And if I don't have the evidence, I shall find the evidence. So these, these three guys. And there's a new one that came out literally a few weeks ago, which was a, a two-point uh, Space Academy, where I play so I play Roderick Cushion, space traveler, him. Uh, so that's that's a big one. So two-point uh, campus, two-point hospital. We have Go Jetters. Go Jetters! It's huge! On CBBS, where I am the mighty Grandmaster Glitch. I'll get you, no Jetters! Yeah! <laughs> he is something special. Uh, I've got all the toys. I've got the plushies. I've got the cushions, the works. So that that's an amazing cast as well. So you've got Scooby-Doo, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I did a project with the with the company in Chicago a couple of years ago. So I was the voice of uh, Master Splinter. Choose your title, and that is how they became the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was I was Splinter and Bebop and Rocksteady. I'll get you titles and Master Shred. I was Baxter and Baxter Fly. Master Shred, they're coming to get you. And and there were other bits and pieces in that. Uh, oh, have you seen a guy called Titan the Robot? I haven't. No. There's um, there's really cool. It's a big like showbiz robot called Titan the Robot. He was on Britain's Got Talent last year, and he's done things like New York Fashion Week and played with Rihanna Live and done F1 appearances. But uh, Titan the Robot. So he's like, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Titan the Robot. There's great big, great big showman. There's him. What else we got for you? Uh, uh, oh yeah, Johnny Bravo 
the Pingu Show. The Pingu Show. Hello, Pingu. What's that, Pingu? In an igloo? Oh, Pingu. Uh, oh, oh, CBBC. Uh, Strange Hill High. That's a very cool animated show. And the show run on that, Josh Weinstein co-wrote Who Shot Mr. Burns for The Simpsons. So okay. good stock there. There's a, a lovely guy, uh, another one called uh, Dr. Panda. I'm sure you watch that all the time where I'm this great big, hi there. I, I play, a, I play this great big thing called Hooper. Hey, Dr. Panda, how you doing? Yay. Then, um, oh, uh, on Milkshake, there's a show called Milo uh, that won the Best Animation Think Award <laughs> last year. Uh, so I, I'm a bunch in that. Stingray, as in um, from Jerry Anderson, the guy that created Thunderbirds. Um, I love that show. Grew up watching all the repeats of that. And um, Jamie Anderson, his son, uh, we started recording new um, audio stories for them, for Anderson last year. And I'm the new voice of Troy Tempest in Stingray. So it's like, a, okay, Marina, let's go. You know, fire sting missile. Okay, Commander Shaw. Come in, please, Marineville. You know, okay, okay, Commander. It's like kind of more uh, lots of eyebrow acting. What's that, Marina? Okay, if you want. No, that kind of slightly yeah. understated thing. And what else we got for you? There's a, there's a show for Tiger Aspect on YouTube called Corpse Talk, where the okay. dead famous come to life. <laughs> there's low. I mean, there's Thunderbirds as well. Oh, the, I, again, the reboot of Thunderbirds. I'm I'm, I'm the the handsome Captain Wayne Rigby. Uh, he's he's a dude as well. I, again, with he's got beautiful stick on, freshly baked eyebrows. But there's there's a few. That's, yeah. There's those, then many others. So that's the uh, kind of like the animation and the children's stuff covered, and uh, the various other voiceovers you've done. Um, I, one thing I know that a lot of people talk to you about at Comic Cons is um, that you've done a lot of voices for video games. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the best gamer. I don't know a lot about video games, but just want to ask like how did you get into the world of doing voices for video games i i'm i grew up playing them <laughs> i grew up playing them and enjoyed them and then when i started doing um character voices for animation it was just a natural thing to do because it's like well you know, like if you're a musician you might want to do music for you know create songs but maybe soundtracks or maybe you know where can I, where, where can you perform music? And it was the same with this. Uh, my, some of the, the, my favorite games as a kid were, you know, had literally things like player one, fight, player two, fight, game over, <laughs> and that'll be it. And um, in fact, I did exactly those lines. I'm just trying to think, where do I recognize those lines? Oh, I know, it was me. I did a, a, a game, for, my very first Nintendo 64 game was a thing called Fighter's Destiny. But yeah, it was, it was just a, a general progression. I, the, do you know Edge Magazine? There's a games magazine called Edge Magazine. It's been around forever. And it's a really cool game. It's a really cool magazine. And I remember reading this magazine, looking at the back of it, and they were advertising, there was a company advertising for artists and programmers. And I thought, well, there's a company making a game. They might need voice people. So I, I got in touch with them. I just phoned them. And they invited me in and we did it with <laughs> this game. And, and, and it kind of started there, really. And I think because I, I, because I played them and I understood what, to me, the benchmark, the benchmark was of what I thought was impressive. I knew what I thought I should be doing 
to hit that, you know, to hit a level that would impress me. In the end, I think with anything you do, you try and do, you know, you kind of go, would this, would I want to hear me? Would I want to listen to this? If not, maybe I should change what I'm, you know, change my approach. And so, um, that's kind of how it started. And I think if you, if you play these things, if you understand them, if it's something that you're into, you know yourself what you could add to this or what you personally bring to, you know, that kind of um, world. And you might have ideas that they didn't have that you go, well, can we try this? Because I, I, there's a thing I can do that might, might work here. Doesn't mean it will always work, but it just means that there's an option that you know, might take you to this other place. There's a great game called Overlord that I worked on a good few years ago with um, with Codemasters, and the writer for that was just amazing. Uh, was Rihanna Pratchett, and you know, Rhi is a, a she's a prolific games writer, and she's worked on all kinds of stuff, including Tomb Raider and proper AAA games. And um, you know, I, so that's um, Rihanna Pratchett. She comes from good writing stock. You know, her dad was a pretty good author, but Re um, is just as an independent writer. She's a, a brilliant talent, and to get to know Rihanna and to work with her on this is was great. And it just shows the it shows it shows the importance of of the of the team as well, because it's you need you need a great writer. You need a great producer. You need a good director. You need someone that can write stories. Because in the end, this is this is actually really straightforward. Good stories, good characters, good performances. The end. That's it. And whether you whether visually you're telling that story with puppets or stop motion animation or two D animation or CGI stuff or cells or or just audio. I mean, I mean, and just audio, I say, and it's actually, no, it's audio. If you, if a really great, a really great story told with just or purely audio, purely audio is magical because you, you, you got the best thing in the world. You know, the, the, when there's, um, when it's, when it's purely sound, you've got the best visuals ever because it's your imagination. It's your version of how it looks. To hear a really great audiobook, there was a thing that I used to w listen to a lot when I, when I was at school, and it was one of these things that you bought the magazine every every week or every every fortnight, and it came in a in a binder, not a binder called Storyteller, and I've still got them. My brother used to listen to them, and I adored them because it was people telling these stories, and and it was really great storytellers like Martin Jarvis and other other great narrators or just really people that you loved hearing their, their voices telling you these stories but that was quite influential Do you know i've never i've never i've never said that in any interview i've never really considered that either but that's that look at that storyteller hearing these people just tell you stories and what that did for your sense of imagination because you you created in your own mind you've got you've got your idea of what they what they might look like or what that scene is, and what that magical forest looks like, or what the roller coaster looks like, or what that dangerous dragon looks like. You know, it's, it's yeah. sound is, is is such an important part of um, of this. But yeah, I'm not quite sure how we how do we get there. I started asking about video games. I do agree with what you say. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was really just saying about about the team again. So it it just shows how important 
having a really good team is to construct this stuff because it's more it's always more than just you it's about all these other talents that are supporting each other so brilliant performances hopefully great engineers great writers great producers great musicians all, all of this and um and this there's, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of games i've been fortunate to work on you know this uh two point campus we, we're recording new stuff um fairly regularly to make sure that the players are you know, kept entertained and, and, and has a really great life i mean i'm um uh, i grew up uh, loving arcade games every time you know mum and dad would take us down to weymouth uh the, the arcade the arcades in weymouth were fantastic and they always had like proper big you know, the best graphics the best sound big cabinets and um and i i love great arcade games and you know and to go from playing sega's games to being voices in them now again that's kind of cool but another one was i always loved pinball I always loved pinball machines. Have you ever played a pinball machine? Quite recently, um, yeah. Oh, what it, what uh, did you where and what did you play? I, do you know what? I can't remember what the theme of it was, but I can tell you where it was because there's more than one of these. There's one in Birmingham, um, but this one was in Glasgow. NQ64, which is yep, yep. an arcade. Um, yeah, so I've been to the one in Birmingham. Um, I, I can't remember what I played that one. Probably Pac which was the better one, the Birmingham one or the Glasgow one? I haven't Tricky. been to the Glasgow one. Tricky. Um, I think the Glasgow one's slightly bigger, I think. Okay. But it kind of winds around a lot, whereas the one in Birmingham's just one great big... It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, yeah. The, the reason I... Do you remember which game you played or games you played? Pinball games. I'm trying to think. It they're always, always comes back to pinball. They're always usually um, themed around films, aren't they? It might have been... Do you know, it might have been a Star Wars one. I think. There you go. Yeah. I think. Well, um, I loved pinball games. And then back in five years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I reignited my love of pinball machines because um, when all, all the arcades like shut down, like early 2000s, and then all these machines either were destroyed or went into collector's hands and you know, disappeared. And then barcades, barcades opened up. And some of these things would arrive. I mean, there's a great place in Dublin called Token, and it's you know classic restored arcade games. And downstairs, it's a pinball parlor, and um, very cool place to go. Anyway, I got back into into loving these games, and um, I actually started um, collecting them. And um, it's been a rabbit hole. And um, then I ended up going to Chicago. Because I, I I was just reading about, you know, when you get a hobby and you go, oh, I'm going to watch all these YouTube videos about people who are interesting that know more than I do. And so you get to watch your favorite, you know, people do these shows. And then I got to kind of, you know, I would message them every now and then and not say what I did, um, but just say how much I enjoyed what they said. And then um, I found out there, were, there was a pinball expo in Chicago. But back in 2018, it'd been going on for years. I thought, I'll go and see. I'll, I'll, go, I'll fly over. Go have a look. Because <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to um, see these people talk about how they create these games, you know, and how they the art, hear the artists talk and the coders and the people that actually do the wire forms and the physical stuff. So I went over there and um, someone came up to me and said, do you mind if I... Uh, do you mind if I interview you about uh, being on Expo? I said, sure, yeah. I, I said, I said, 
Uh, I said, uh, sure, sure, yeah. I said, um, nice to meet you. I, I listened to your show. I said, I'm Mark. He went, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> you go, really? Went, yep, 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 yep. We know who you are. I, did, I didn't know that anyone had been, you know, following me being a, a fan of this. Uh, I'd just gone there as a, as a supporter of, of the hobby. And so anyway, long story short, I ended up getting to, introduced to a whole bunch of people. And now I, I work, I, my voice is in pinball machines. <laughs> so, so we did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pinball machine yeah. two years ago. And um, I'm, I'm six characters in that. And, uh, and I have a, a, a pinball, uh, I have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pinball machine uh, that was flown all the way uh, from Chicago. Yeah, and I know... It's very, it's just cool. And I know the designers now, and I caught up with them in Chicago a, a couple of months ago. And um, in fact, uh, I went from being a fan of this to being asked to be a, uh, to, to, I gave a talk in Chicago in front of these people who um, I love their work. You know, I, I got into it because I wanted to just hear them talk, but then you get invited to, well, do your talk. Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of, that's very nice as well. That's a great story. I like that. And I kind of can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Empathise with it, maybe? Because uh, for me, doing this for the last five years, getting to know people I admired on the television and in cartoons and animation, getting to talk to them um, and be friends with some of them has been, you know, a joy. So I, I totally get where you're coming from with this. By the way, mm -hmm. got the same headphones. Ah, <laughs> they're not my headphones they are the they're good yeah. these are they good are. headphones yeah. if you're watching this podcast right now or if you are listening to this right now uh go and treat yourself to some uh bayer dynamic dt 770 pros they're very very comfortable they have very comfortable pants you can wear them for a long time and they sound super duper they do as so worn by jack haywood <laughs> uh, i'm gonna just stick all these little bits out <laughs> <laughs> to be my jingle package on the station um <laughs> but i do have one last question um so you've done a lot of voiceovers for many things but is there any character tv show film game anything that you've always wanted to voice but have not what's your fantasy voiceover there's not you know i've been really lucky that yeah i've been really lucky that i've worked with people that i i just i i have a great deal of affection for their for their work and I'm I'm not looking to copy what other people have done. I the thing that I love is creating new characters and new um new voices, new characters, work on new projects. Um it's like would you rather be the cover band or the band that people cover? Right. It's that. You know, yes. it's like that. Yeah. And uh, but you know what? It's it's still good every now and then to play a few cover tunes. You know, it's still okay to play someone else's tunes every now and then. But um I, I mean, there's a project I'm working on at the moment um, where it, it is an existing world. Can't say. Hello, yeah, we could cover it up with a noise. But again, the thing that I really love about working on this thing, I, I was working on last night, actually, um, to America, was working with the people there. You know, I, I was having a great deal of fun and satisfaction and pride in the in the work I was doing. But the thing I really enjoyed was just working with them. So the thing that I enjoy as much as anything is being in a room full of people who's you just enjoy being in their company. You know, and you go, we're going to create something special now, and you're on your A game. So 
you're going to be the as best as you possibly can. It, so so it, it is that. Now, there are certain people that we go, like, I've worked with Disney, and I that was a lot of fun. I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with Warner Brothers. Um, you know, I worked with George Lucas, who's a, a hero, um, you know, to have presented this show at the Royal Albert Hall uh, is wonderful. There's just, there's just really, you just want to work with good people and do good work. That's it. You know, I, I'm, and it doesn't matter to me whether it's someone starting out. If someone, if, if there's someone that's starting out and they're trying to do some great work, that's, that matters as much to me, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's it, it. That's what you want. You just want to do, you go, what do you want to deal with your day? You just want to have a good day. That's it. Mark, it's been a, an absolute joy speaking with you tonight and just hearing your stories and the great people you've worked with and, and the big names as well. Uh, thank you for so much for sharing your, your story. It's been great. Thanks, Jack. It was, I really enjoyed chatting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and a big thanks to Mark for chatting with me and sharing his memories. As always, I'll be back soon with another edition of Jack's Throwback Attack, the podcast. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.